Welcome to the QI Chatroom. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode features Dr. Daniel Oren and Dr. Lisa Ward. Dr. Oren is the Chief Medical Officer and Chief Medical Informatics Officer at Redwood Community Health Coalition. Dr. Ward is a Regional Medical Director at Marin Community Clinics located in Marin County. Dr. Oren will be asking Dr. Ward questions about Marin Community Clinics COVID-19 vaccination efforts. Here's Danielle who will start by asking Dr. Ward about her current role at Marin Community Clinics. Great. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. And I'm really excited to um, be on the QI chat room podcast this morning. I don't often get to be on, so what a treat. And I'm even more excited to have Dr. Lisa Ward from Marin Community Clinics here with us um, to talk about their experience with COVID vaccine. Um, and so we'll just go ahead and get started. Um, as Kelly said, my first question is, of course, can you tell us a little bit about your role um, and maybe just a little bit about Marine Community Clinic? I, I know most of the people on the line know, but we have some external listeners as well. Sure. Um, well, thank you guys so much for having me. I think this is one of the most important things that we will probably do in our careers is work on this effort for um, helping our community recover from COVID. And so I'm happy to take part. Um, I am working at Marine Community Clinic. I started in November and my role is called the Regional Medical Director. And in that role, I um, supervise and kind of oversee two large clinics in Novato. And I have kind of a counterpart, a Regional Medical Director for their Southern sites. Um, I see patients as a family physician about half time. And then kind of as a gift, I was given the opportunity to lead the vaccine planning process for Marin Community Clinics and our collaboration with Marin um, Department of Public Health to lead a pod a point of distribution in Sonoma County, or sorry, Marin County um, for vaccinating mostly our very underserved community um, as an equity um, strategy. So Marin Community Clinics takes care of about 40,000 patients. It has, um, we're opening a new site next week, so that'll give us six sites. The demographics of the health center are almost equivalent to the demographics in Santa Rosa's community health centers, meaning 60% of the patients are Latino, nearly all of them live under the federal poverty level. 
Medi-Cal proportion is the same. So this is a very um, underserved community, like all the communities that we take care of. I would say one of the differences is that there's more diversity in the minority communities. So the Latino community is more Central and South American rather than originating in Mexico. And there's more diversity um, African-Americans, non-foundational Africans, um, Creole, Middle Eastern. So there's more diversity in the patient population overall. It's also set in incredible inequity between an incredibly wealthy county and pockets of incredible poverty. Um, So that's where I work. Thank you. Um, So can you maybe start by telling us a little bit about your experience um, immunizing the staff at Marin Community Clinic? And what do you think were some of the lessons learned there that you um, plan to carry forward to your work in the community and with your own patients? Sure. So we've vaccinated, we're at about 75% at most of our sites. And then strangely at the site where I work, we're at about 55% of staff vaccination levels. I think one of the most important things that we did early on was that we started conversations with staff about their concerns. And we did a staff survey. The survey generated staff questions. Those staff questions led to an FAQ And then that FAQ um, has then served as the foundation for how we, I would say, harness it for different um, ways of putting information out on social media, focus groups, um, staff discussions, provider discussions, trainings, et cetera. And so that was a really rich early resource. I would say the flip side of that, however, is that I think that we also had some more opportunities to use that FAQ with staff in particular earlier on just to get it out there in its entirety. And, um, you know, you never want to do a survey and not actually provide your people with the answers that they provided on the survey. And you want to kind of do that in a very um, quick turnaround fashion. And I think that in retrospect, I wish that we had had a clear communication plan with a timeline around that turnaround, and it was a bit delayed, and I think in some ways that explains why our uptake wasn't as robust as I was hoping for among staff. On the other hand, we have had a, a, a pretty open-door policy and trying to create safe spaces for staff to really get their questions answered, and I think that's been useful to a lot of people, and I hope we'll continue to drive our staff vaccination rates up. Great. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely key. And I think 74%, you said that's that's not too shabby. That's pretty good for a first go um, just in the first few weeks. Um, are there steps that you're currently taking with those staff that have not been immunized in terms of addressing their hesitancy or um, or kind of giving it a little bit more time? Right now we're giving it a little bit more time because our, our bolus of staff just finished last Friday. So we're collecting our numbers. And then I think that we will probably put in place some strategies to reach out to those staff who did not um, use the vaccine. Mm-hmm. We also have um, an occupational health nurse that's going to have some additional clinics over time. And we did have people say they would like to do it, but in a delayed fashion. So we're gonna continue to provide those opportunities for staff. And so we are going to circle back, but we're just counting our kind of counting our ducks right now and trying to make sure we know who is worth reaching out to. 
So that's where we are. Right. Great. Um, what about um, in terms of um, outreach to patients? What what are you all um, doing and planning in terms of patient outreach at this point? So probably similar to the, our organizations overall, there's sort of layers to this. So I would say the first layer is that we're working hard on a COVID landing page on our website and we're working hard on translating those FAQs literally into languages, but also into literacy level and into digestible bites for our um, website. And I'm seeing lots of organizations do a really nice job. So thank you because we're copying you. The other thing that we're doing is that we're creating um, just a kind of fact flyer that we're giving to patients across the clinics in any in-person visit. We're promoting the vaccine. The next thing we haven't done, but we will do is we're developing scripts um, for providers and nurses and all frontline staff so that they can make a strong recommendation to patients at any opportunity um, to get the vaccine and to have at least like essentially going back to those FAQs we created, having some baseline level of information to be able to answer people's common questions. So that's in the clinic. And then the other thing we're doing is maybe more specific to our environment in Marin County, but we're running these collabor this collaborative pod. A pod is a point of distribution where we're aiming to give 500 to 1,000 vaccines a week. And at the pod, in order to get patients to the pod, we're using a whole array of strategies. So we're using care messages to um, forecast to patients. And by that, I mean, we're saying, hey, 65-year-olds, just so you know, in about two weeks, it's going to be your turn. And that goes out to text messages. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, we say, hey, it's almost your turn. Look out for our next text. And then in a week, when it is their turn, we say, hey, it is your turn. Sign up. Here's the link. But we know that among the elderly in particular, they have both low health literacy, the website that is coming from the state in PrevMod, um, is super high literacy and has some coinky dinks to it that are not going to be easy for many people, especially the elderly to use. And um, many elderly people don't have email addresses and are not internet, south, internet literate. And so the other strategies we're using are that we're actually using our EHR to figure out which elderly people also live with younger family members who are patients and we're sending care messages to those family members and saying hey could you help your we know you live with a 75 year old or more could you please help them get into this link and sign them up or call us and we're trying to negotiate with our um, sort of business plan if you will how to staff up our call center and front office because we're literally um, taking our list of 75 year olds for now and we're calling them to say hey let us help you with a 10-minute conversation and we're going to walk you through the sign up to get you into the pod for a visit and that is what it is going to take for a lot of our patients to actually interface with the PrevMod site successfully and then the, I don't know which strategy I'm on but it may be number four the other thing is that we're um, text messaging out to this same group you can walk up and register at the pod so we're we're really trying to 
make many paths to vaccination and make it as easy as possible for people. And we want to continually engage them and let them know that either their turn is here, their turn is coming, um, and we really are making a strong message to promote vaccination and make it possible. That's fantastic. I really love the idea of reaching out to family members that you know are at the same address as seniors to give them a hand. Um, I can't wait to hear how that, you know, <laughs> if that helps in the long run. I think that's fantastic. It's built-in help right there. What kind of response have you had so far from your patients, from the communities that you're serving? So last week we sent out about 2,500 care messages by text. And we traditionally in this age group get about a 10% response rate. And I would say um, we got a little higher than that, but it wasn't awesome. Um, and it wasn't actually a surprise. So that's partially why we knew from the get-go that we were going to need to do phone outreach with these folks. And so we vaccinated 500 people last week at that pod over three days, about 16 hours of vaccine delivery, if you will. And the vast majority of our patients were registered by hand by our staff. Well, maybe I'm overspeaking. Uh, you know, about half were registered by our staff. And then a lot of people walked up and registered in the moment. And, um, and we particularly have the pod within walking distance of our canal region, which for those right. of you who aren't local, it's a region where the rates of COVID um, positivity in our testing have been upwards of 20, 30, 40, even sometimes 50% a week. Um, and they're just getting hammered by COVID. And so we put the vaccine site right in that neighborhood. And our great and deep intention is to um, vaccinate that entire neighborhood, regardless of age, simply because their risk is astronomically high these patients and community members are able to, they don't have to have an advanced appointment made on the, on an electronic device. They're able to access the vaccine walking right from where they live. Right. We also have um, the capacity as they walk up, they will get registered right there. It, again, it takes about 10 minutes, maybe less as we get better at it. Right. Um, but we want every path. So we're saying register yourself, call us and we'll help you register or walk up and we will register you in the moment, but please come and get vaccinated. Can you describe a little bit about the, the workflow um, that happens at the, at the pod? Is it, um, is it a driving kind of experience or um, do people, um, line up outside? Do they go inside? How does all that work? So um, it was initially designed as a park and walk through different stations experience that was, was outside. But we have been planning for the inclement weather. And so, and it's been cold and our, we felt like the frail elders weren't tolerating that very well. So we've moved <laughs> it inside. And I think we're going to probably stay that way for at least this week. And so it's mostly inside and you can imagine, you know, you go to station number one and you register and then you go to station number two and you get vaccinated and you go to station three and you get um, observed. And then at station four, 
we are also setting up people's second appointment. So they literally walk away with that second appointment. And then that sets us up to then send a whole new series of care messages about, hey, don't forget by text, your second vaccine appointment is in three days. If you need to reschedule it, no problem, just call us. And then another care message that says, hey, don't forget your second vaccine is tomorrow. If you want to reschedule it, no problem, just call it. So that all is kind of what we're expecting to do as the time rolls forward. And for scheduling, um, you're using the, the prep mod. Yes. Okay, great. Wow. Um, can you talk a little bit, I think one of the things that's just really unique about what you all are doing is just the, the really fantastic collaboration with the county. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I think this is very, um, you know, county dependent and relationship dependent and so um, can probably be replicated, but I think it does take some relationship building and I feel privileged that I kind of walked into a place where there was already deep collaboration across the county with the community health centers from the beginning of this pandemic. So we've been testing together and doing mass testing sites and ongoing work um, for, for, you know, nine months essentially before I arrived. So it was a natural transition um, and, and we just built on those relationships. Marin County is really intending to set up five pretty, pretty regular mass vac sites. And so they're calling them pods, these points of distribution. And so we're the fourth one that they've set up. And so they're building on their experience, setting one up with Kaiser and then one at the Marin Health Hospital. Um, and then Sutter has one. And so they're using their natural healthcare delivery allies, so to speak. And we have been that ally throughout. And so I think that prior relationship building has helped us get to the point that we are it, in now. Um, and, and that pod is gonna be a, a joint venture. Um, what we have to decide as Marin Community Clinic is how much capacity above and beyond that we will have to run vaccine clinics for COVID at the remainder of our health centers. And so that's a whole different strategy that we haven't started yet, but we're definitely um, looking into almost as if we would convert our existing flu clinics, which flu is almost non-existent here. And so we're about to convert our flu clinics into COVID clinics as well to get further vaccine capacity. Great. Um, thank you so much. I, I want to ask one more question and then I'm going to turn it over to everyone else. Uh, you know, most of um, the attendees here are people who are either um, QI directors or providers at community health centers. From your experience, what, what, what do you think would be one or two pieces of advice that you would give them going forward? You know, I feel like speaking to the QI crowd that your role is essential as a partner in kind of managing the data. And so, you know, we're going to live in a setting of vaccine scarcity. And so as a result, we're going to need to continue to slice um, data based on risk. And it, particularly in counties like ours locally, where there's 
really large groups of people 60 and older, we're just never going to have enough vaccine to vaccinate those people all in a big bolus. And so our approach has been a risk-based approach. So we're looking at equity as a risk. We're looking at illness as a risk. We're looking at age as a risk. But taking on the responsibility for really developing a, a, a data analytics concept or a plan so that you can feed the list to the different parts of the organization who are making calls and following up and all of that is takes a fair level of planning and coordination. And I see that as a great skill set that our quality department has and can help us um, have the right numbers with the right people to target at the right times as we roll through each tier and phase, et cetera. So that's one thing. And then I think the other is just really working with our development departments and our leadership to have really clear and well-developed communications products and a plan about timing and what the materials look like and the content, because those are going to be essential to really engaging our community to maximize the people who get to yes on vaccines. And so I just feel sort of deeply in gratitude to the skills that different parts of the organization have to um, really help teach us, our people, about um, the vaccine and then our patients about the vaccine so that we can get as many people to be willing as possible. Great, thank you. Um, we have some questions. I don't know, Kelly, do you wanna um, bring forward some of the questions from the chat? Our first question was from Ole Health, asking how many patients Marin Community Clinics is vaccinating at a time and in what type of space, given that each patient has to be observed for 15 minutes. Ole is struggling with how to prevent a backlog of patients under observation while keeping people socially distanced in an indoor environment. We've just vaccinated patients for three days. So I want to say that we're kind of in the early phase of pilot. So the first day we vaccinated 100 people. The next day we vaccinated about 200 plus people. And then the next day we vaccinated about 250 people. And so, and we did those in um, four hour, two four hour blocks and then one six hour block. The setting is inside a community health center where we're using our um, conference rooms for that observation area and then people are seated socially distanced by six feet or more in chairs and we're shortening the um well i would say that we're setting a timer once the person gets the vaccine so that their 15 minutes of observation is being counted accurately and being used to um get in line for the next station. They're sitting down to be observed, but we're also rescheduling them for their second visit during that observation time. So we're trying to like use their time pretty efficiently um, and get them through. But, but I do think that is somewhat unavoidable and expected, which is that we're gonna need to have people seated and observed and, and for those 15 minutes. So you do need a space where people can congregate safely. We are struggling through that too. So I, I'm not surprised we all are. The next question came from Alexander Valley Healthcare. They asked what system Marin Community Clinics is using to schedule patients' second vaccine dose. 
That's a great question. So we are rescheduling that second dose also in PrevMod. We are trying to figure out how to reliably get the information from PrevMod to us or to the EA. So we're also kind of, I think, I have to check, this is a good question, but we may be logging that appointment in NextGen using tablets with internet at the site. And then because we're in NextGen, it's from NextGen that we can drive those care messages. The last question was a follow-up from Alexander Valley, asking how Marin Community Clinics will handle a situation where a large number of patients receive their first dose but do not make it to their second dose appointment. Thank you. That is a great um, question. So we haven't gotten there yet because we're so early in the process, but we also intend to track people who don't respond to our care message text at all, people who um, say, no, I'm not interested. Um, And then I, I think what we'll do is have their primary care doctors who are very influential, talk through their patients and try to get them to yes. Um, And then we're going to track who doesn't come for that second appointment and we're going to kind of case manage them and try to get as many people there as possible. So we haven't done that work yet, like I said, because it's too early and we just started vaccinating literally last week. But we are, as we all are doing, we're building the airplane as we're flying it. So that's like our sort of vision and I'm not sure how it'll work in real life. But it's going to take a lot of data tracking to figure out which those groups are. And that's why I think this is a deep, deep collaboration with our data analytics um, people, because it's going to require some heavy lifting in that area. A big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room. Thank you.